Sustainable Land Matters. This episode, our guest is Christian Andersen. Christian Andersen is the chief advisor for Danish region environment and resources. We will dive into the topic of healthy soil and fit for use and the soil functions. So stay tuned. Yes. Hi, Christian. Nice to meet you now online. Would you like to give an introduction of yourself? Yeah, thank you. I suppose that would mean a professional introduction. No, uh, very personal. I want to have it very personal as well. Very because, personal. Mm. Yes, also, please, people need to know who is Christian and what yeah. are you busy with? Exactly. Start with your favorite drink. My favorite <laughs> drink? Well, yes. well, uh, well, I'm not so... I, I guess I'm not so uh, special in that regard. So I'd like uh, either a gin tonic or uh, a, uh, which also comes in various uh, um, uh, variations, or uh, a dark and stormy. That's what I would usually make for myself. Doesn't also require that many uh, kinds of ingredients. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm on the same page. The gin tonic. <laughs> <laughs> I had recently alcohol-free gin tonic. It was actually good. I was surprised. Oh yeah. I've seen it a couple yeah. of times in stores, and I I never considered it. But if you say it was yeah. good, no, I, yeah. I would feel I would feel like an alcoholic if I if I started going for that. Uh, then you know, I, I, it's not it's a nice to have gin tonic. It's not a need to have uh, for yeah. me yet. But but I am I am on the slope uh, because I, I did a few years back start uh, drinking uh, alcohol uh, alcohol free beer. So um, mm. perhaps uh, yeah, it it will be happening uh, one day. It could also be considered a dietary choice. So many calories and alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I don't drink that much alcohol, so I have pre- plenty of other sources of calories I could cut down on before. Uh, before, before, uh, <laughs> before coming on that. to the, the yeah. alcohol part. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my main source of of uh, calories. Uh. I, I, as, as you said, I'm, I'm, I'm a policymaker now, and I guess I gravitated uh, to that. I wasn't, as, as mo- most young people, not really aware of wh- what actually interests me. I thought it was was something else. But um, what was the starting point is I'm, I, I see myself as very fact-based, and I think that's why I, I, uh, I chose the natural sciences instead of political sciences. Because I cannot uh, have that everything goes. It must it must be uh, rooted in something that is is real, something you can actually verify or reject. And then I guess I had a, an adventurous um, cling, and I thought a geologist, uh, which I then went on to study, uh, was 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 someone who went to the field and and, and did crazy things. Uh, which I did for a few years. Uh, what but, is the um, crazy things, if we may ask, Christian? Yeah, well, my first jobs were in uh, in the South American American exploration sector, looking for uh, copper gold. and gold deposits oh. <laughs> um, in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, and um, but mineral prices at that time were completely different from now. Everything was going down, and people were saying that oh, we will never see uh, mineral prices going up again. So uh, there was actually much more work to be found in the environmental sector, also the environmental sector connecting, uh, connected uh, with the mine sites. So uh, that's that's where I found work. So I really I really trained uh, to look for for gold, but then 
I I converted to looking for for dirt and and contaminants uh, instead. Uh-huh. And then during a um, I went back to Denmark, uh, worked as a consultant in the environmental um, advisory uh, industry there, and got a, a placement with a Danish development agency in in Africa and Uganda. And that's where I uh, I realized I'm really much more fascinated with with the policy side of of uh, things because the the um, the bottom line of of policy making is much more multidimensional than it is in the private sector, and I, I guess that appealed to me the complexity of of policy making. Can you specify a little bit the complexity? Because as we mentioned, the audience we hope to aim at are young generations. Maybe there are young students who are studying at this moment for、uh, geology and who wants to be, who is curious, want to be. Become a policymaker in the future. So, can you describe why is it complex? How is your routine day look like? Yeah, well, I guess that's what I like about it. Is there's there's not much、uh, routine. There's no、this. routine.、Um, there are very f- maybe actually there are no routine jobs.、Uh, uh, and when I worked as an advisor, I think there was a lot more routine jobs or, or at least processes involved、uh, with that. Um, here, because in policy making, you're really working with people.、Um, you are you're working with language,、um, and you're working with may, very many different kinds of of people and different、uh, people with、uh, different political、um, views. And, and you have to to navigate your way in this. And in my case, make it work、uh, together with the facts on the ground, because that's what re- that's what really important to me. It is that that what we、uh, the policy we are creating is a fact based policy. Okay. Do you mean so you have to, on one hand, convey the facts to pol- political parts of the spectrum, on one hand, and on the other hand, you also have to convey convey your message to the social parts, the public.、Um, yeah, you you have to、uh, somehow、uh, when when you're looking for the challenge,、uh, you're looking at the challenge. You have to frame it in in a sense that it becomes politically relevant and understandable.、Mm. To the broader public, because politicians are members of the broader public; they are not experts. So, if you cannot make a subject relevant to them, then、mm-hmm. you really have to ask yourself: Is it relevant at all?、Mm-hmm. Okay. Should you really be spending resources on this if you cannot、uh, frame it in a way so it can compete、uh, for resources vis-a-vis other、uh, urgent matters? Because there are plenty of important、mm-hmm. things you can you can spend money spend. And, and time and personnel on. Um, how relevant is the soil topic at this moment in Denmark? Yeah, see, that's that's maybe my main uh, uh, the main problem I have with the whole、uh, <laughs> soil debate. It is what what are we actually talking about? Okay. Because because when we are talking about、uh, healthy soil, which will be the the trending on... words at this moment. Yeah, the, the, exactly. I think it is it is really broad. And if you look at all the societal challenges connected with soil, they are so diverse,、yeah. and really the only common denominator、uh, with them is that they are located on soil or they're using soil in in one aspect and the other. And I think it's not a very operational、uh, common denominator. So if if taking that aspect on on soil issue, of course it's it's very broad,、uh, very all encompassing, and and By implication, very important because it touches upon so so many matters. But it's also not very、um, it's not very operational 
So I, I much more prefer taking a, a more specific approach to, to some of the challenges which are real. Okay. Can you give an example? So yeah. do I understand, I'm sorry to interrupt, but do I understand correctly that you think that healthy soil is too vague and you want it to make it more concrete? Is that what you're saying? That That is correct. Uh, mm-hmm. No one, when we have these uh, these expert group meetings on healthy soil, most of the time is, is uh, spent debating on what, what does it actually mean? When is a soil healthy? And there are so many kinds of different uh, soils um, and they are uh, used for so many different things. Um, they have so many different uh, uh, ecosystem um, uh, services Service. that it, it's really hard to, 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 uh, to, to agree on a definition. And then the main uh, uh, challenge uh, amongst experts, at least, is becomes the lack of, of information. Uh, and that, of course, if you are a researcher, lack of, of uh, knowledge or information is a very important challenge. But if you're making policy, then the fact that you don't know everything, it's it's not a very important societal challenge. So I prefer a much more specific approach, which I think was mm-hmm. the case with the with the frame, soil framework directive, which was um, withdrawn by the commission 10, 15 years ago. Because it was based on, uh, it had uh, identified a certain number of, of, of uh, challenges to soils, and then it went about mapping and addressing them. And each of these challenges in their own right, of course, is very relevant. You asked me to give an example. One could be mm-hmm. um, loss of organic matter, uh, and that has um, several um, consequences. It is becomes less useful as an agricultural uh, soil, if you lose organic uh, matter and you have to replace it with the fertilizer, it also have a climate impact because where does this organic material go? Well, it goes into the climate. So that is a very a, a very uh, significant societal challenge, of course. But uh, how do you address it? Well, you, you really address it by management practice. Uh, so uh, mostly when you talk about soil health and different uh, soil challenges, it relates to the management regime, and you also have this this uh, the he- heading you say sustainable land management, uh, and yes. management is is uh, is really key. Uh, it's also really another word for maybe uh, land use planning, which is not really a um, an area where the European Union uh, can legislate. It doesn't have any mandate uh, to 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 mm. go into uh, area planning. But it's a, it's a wonderful pol- political field uh, to play with planning because you have a lot of challenges, you have a lot of conflicts. So so politicians love discussing uh, area planning and the, the uh, officials in the European Union, the Commission. Also, I, that's my suspicion, would like to, to work with the planning element, but they're not uh, really able to. So they come up with something like this instead. Okay, that's and a concern. Too because... They're because of the Lisbon Treaty, it's it's not a, an area they can they can. Uh, it's they not can in their mandate. Regulation. Yeah, it's in the head of the country government. Yes, yeah, member yeah. states. Yeah, but uh, back to the functions. Uh, you, you mentioned a few keywords. I find it very interesting to go further on the best. If we talk about the best practice of Denmark on this issue, you you already touched about mapping and the soil function. And that's something so suit, suitable for use. So we're not just remediating uh, soil as just want to remediate it. We're 
we have we give it a function and a wide how what kind of function we can give it based on the map mapping so based on the surveys that you have done and I've studied some and I think Denmark is very good at mapping. I don't know if you know, but uh, according to an article that Denmark actually already started soil mapping really long ago, and the purpose was actually for the kings to raise tax. Mm. Well, I don't know, but it makes sense. Uh, well, <laughs> my my uh, approach to soil is a, is a narrow one. I work with soil contamination and uh, okay. identification and remediation of, of contaminated sites. So that's a very specific field. From my angle, I fail to see the benefit of mixing this particular challenge mm -hmm. in together with all sorts of other challenges uh, mm -hmm. in order to have a sort of integrated uh, framework. But but it's, it's probably true that Denmark was very early in mapping its soil because it's an agricultural society. We have, I can't remember, I think it's something like 60% uh, of the country is used for agricultural purpose. Uh, so when you're talking soil in Denmark, it is um, the main management uh, regime is agriculture. Mm. So you would look at, uh, and, and we did this exercise, what, what is mm -hmm. the most relevant issues uh, in terms of, of soil in Denmark? And that is primarily a loss of soil carbon. That's oh. the main uh, challenge, uh, maybe followed a bit by compaction and soil erosion which is uh, odd at first because Denmark is a flat country, so there's not a, there's not a lot of, yeah. of erosion as, as you'd, you'd think in a more mountainous country, but there's micro erosion that um, also uh, contributes to, to the loss of uh, soil carbon. But is that due to industrialization or is that due to intensive farming then? It's due mostly to uh, intensive farming. Oh, okay. I think our, our the, the area which is mm -hmm. built up is close to the European average of around 9% of land, which is uh, has an artificial surface. Yeah, so of course there's not much, um, I, I don't even know if you can talk about uh, soil health layer there. Mm -hmm. It's it, The soil function in this case is, is a sort of a, a foundation for the infrastructure. Um, we don't really have the challenge that perhaps is relevant to some countries where where you have a lot of land take from a li limited agricultural resource that is converted into urban areas because there's so much good arable land available. Okay. So that is not considered a challenge. I can see how mm -hmm. that could be a challenge in other mm -hmm. uh, places with a yeah. more limited uh, arable soil uh, resource. But again, I think it relates to area planning and land management uh, more than 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 soil as a common policy denominator. Okay. Oh, by the way, I I want to add one element. What you're talking now about the specific Danish issue is very relevant for this podcast because we wanted this to be um, a European topic, and it's mm. really nice to have some. So have you to go in a little bit in depth of um, the Danish situation, which is. I feel on one hand, it is a little bit comparison with the Dutch situation the, in the way of the intensive farming. You, I don't know if you know, but in the Netherlands, um, nitrogen issue is such a huge uh, problem. And uh, the farmers are really facing to be closing their farms mm. because uh, uh, the, uh, the nitrogen, so especially for cows and pigs and chickens. And uh, 
and and then another side is we we do have the problem of the urban development because the city is expanding so we it's really a competition for land between the farmland and urban use and other mm. type of functions mm. of, of soil so i see similar but also not the same situation but how about in in denmark are those intensive farming are they facing um to be closed because they cause kind of they cause pollution or maybe put it in a positive way that uh, when you make policy how can you keep the balance of economic growth via agriculture on the other hand environmental issues yeah i think i think to start with i think we have many of the same challenges that you highlighted in in netherlands um and there is a limited uh, amount of land and that is much less than the, the kind of of, of desires uh, we have to use it for we want to to use land to generate a clean water resource mm. uh, we want to use land for sustainable energy production we want to use land to support biodiversity we we want to use it for for lots of things and we don't for have everything. enough land yeah but land and soil, I think, is not necessarily uh, the same thing. Of course, all land contains soil, but I think land management is what is should be uh, the focus here, not not so much the soil. Of course, you can say the soil somehow is a uh, a, a framework condition for for planning. You cannot plan to have have a farm unless you have an adequate soil resource where you uh, plan your farming. Yeah, I think it's a very, um, the, the issue is very regional, but borderless, because I, I know that the north of Germany, they also have the same issue with, as you say, the nitrogen in the ground, uh, that it reaches the groundwater, which, which causes pollution. And mm. I think it's, it's a very, it's a very common issue. No, yeah, yeah. the nitrogen, exactly. Yeah, we, uh, we have that uh, exact same um, challenge. And yeah, there's a, a debate if the government or if the water supply okay. companies should be allowed to buy or even expropriate huh? land yeah. uh, from farmers yeah. in order yes. to uh, to farm water yeah. or to uh, to increase biodiversity. The thing is, uh, everybody there's so many different demands uh, for this farmland, and uh, yeah. and of course there's also a, a limit conversely to how much how much land can you actually take from the farmers and and in any case they would need a, a full compensation of course i heard an interesting war um, that that's exactly the same discussion in the netherlands and um, it felt first a little bit like pushing the farmers out of their business but mm. that's partly true but there are also people who are looking into it in a positive way. They say, okay, maybe nowadays or the future, we don't have farmers or urban workers anymore. We just have land managers. And you manage, you do the exploitation of your land, but you also have to take care of it. And your income will be probably a mix. In the Netherlands, you can already see a very starting of it, mm. which is um, uh, in normal season, they, there are farmers, they have cows in certain area. But then... When there's a flooding, they have to be prepared of their piece of land can be flooded by the yeah. Dutch Water Authority. Mm -hmm. But of course, when their land will be flooded, they will be compensated by the by the government. So then they have a financial income as well when they're get, getting flooded. So then their the <clears throat> land manager, they just have to see okay to have a comp uh, have a balance. So maybe mm -hmm. in the future they some so there can be business case created for biodiversity as well. 
And I don't know how is the discussion in, in Denmark? Is it are people supporting that kind of development or farmers are not so uh, or government are conflict uh, of having yeah. conflict of interest at the moment? No, we have a, it's a very big box password with the whole multifunctional uh, yeah. land use and multifunctional. Multifunction. Uh, That's the uh, right word. Project yeah. where you create added value yeah. uh, on different elements. But of course, once you make something, there's a reason why things is silo and sector based, and that is because it mm-hmm. is uh, it is much easier to to make a project that has one clear target. If you have multiple targets, uh, then it becomes very modeled and I think everybody agrees in principle that multifunctional solutions is the right thing. Mm. Also because as you mentioned it creates the possibility of multi-financial sources but how do you how do you um, delineate which kind of objectives to include in a multifunctional business case and sometimes they're coinciding but also sometimes they're actually opposing. They're conflicting. Yeah. So it makes it extremely complicated. And uh, really what we're aiming at is to make everybody happy, but you might as well end up making everybody unhappy. Um, More so likely. it is More likely. <laughs> it is a, oh. in practice, it is a very, very difficult uh, task. And uh, and then there's, of course, the, the structural setup, uh, who, who uh, can create such projects. And, and you, you need different geographies for different kind of, of benefits. If you're looking at something like biodiversity, it doesn't really help to have small isolated uh, bio pockets. What helps is to have large uh, interconnected areas if you really want to do something for biodiversity. But the planning regime in Denmark is with the municipalities, which mm-hmm. tend not to be so big as to create these coherent areas. Then the question is, would the government take it upon itself to go in and do local planning? Also, I think not, because they're, they're way, there's way too much stakeholder management uh, for central government to do that. Yeah, I think uh, this is a very, it's a very difficult situation. Obviously, it's also a big topic in Germany, not only related to farmland, but also to forests, because a lot of the forests in Germany, most of them are are managed, and the timber industry is huge. But it's clear that forests that are natural forests can handle droughts much better, for instance, than forests that are used for economic purposes so again you have to find the balance of how do i try to create a lot of Mm. forests especially over the last couple of summers it's been a huge issue Mm. that a lot of trees died from drought so it's uh, the the keyword biodiversity how do we combine the economy which is obviously very important with possible economic not, uh, not benefits, but how do we make it work? To put a value. Business. So yeah. you can't put a value on it. So, or let's put it in this way. There's a term, natural capital, but mm. it's it's still difficult to put a finger on it. It's not concrete. So Christian emphasized you. It's not concrete enough. You can't mm. calculate. And you don't have uh, any buyer. Who's the buyer? So it's uh, is, is what uh, Adam Smith called uh, the tragedy of the commons. Uh, who um, the, nobody the really owns it, so no one cares. There's only, of course, in the, the government. But uh, even the government has limited uh, resources, resources and lots of other competing uh, demands. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the biggest challenges. Whose whose land do you take away because they have to be compensated? And mm. how, how do you compensate them? Uh, so they they of course want to get paid and. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. 
Oh, I feel soil. It's a topic of the tragedy of commons. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's not so... that. It's, it's not uh, as bad as uh, so many other things because actually, soil you can actually own, right? You can mm. sell it, uh, and and uh, it, it has a premium. I think water and air in that aspect is is much worse actually than than soil. But of course, you can you can deplete it. With, with a short uh, planning site and end up with something less less valuable uh, a few generations later. Yeah, but uh, I think that's also one of the challenges because you can own it. In most cases, some people, of course, just want to own, own soil and land to have soil and land, but mostly you want it to, to profit from it and have yeah either a farm or some business on it. And that is, I think, also the, the challenge of how, how can you enable people to, to own soil and still have soil that can support everyone in a, in a, in a sustainable way. Look, w what we're chatting here is not, we're not looking for an answer. We're not looking for a solution. We, what we want to reach is to stimulate people, to inspire people to think. And I think we reached, almost reached there, but I wanted to be more inspirational, like really stimulate people to think and think this is an issue, think this is care and as well. I think soil health is a wrong avenue to go down. Okay. I think there, there are so many relevant mm -hmm. challenges. We have touched upon many of them in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Each of them uh can easily be its own policy area and is its own mm. policy area. Mm -hmm. And I think that is much more uh, relevant and much more uh, top of mind to most people and much more mm -hmm. obvious that this we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Soil health, hmm, what is it? Who cares? Mm -hmm. uh, mm. Basically, I said I was, uh, my, my speciality really what I'm working with is, uh, is soil contamination. Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh, point source contamination and there we uh, face the, the challenge of uh, perhaps I could say too much knowledge. Usually we say oh we don't know enough we have to know more. Now we know so much that actually um, most of, of uh, our, our land is contaminated uh, one way or the other. We really have to, uh, to, to narrow down where do we want to actually do something. I think the Dutch invented this term fit for purpose. It shouldn't mm. be clean because yep. with the amount of information we have now, nothing is clean, but it should be clean enough for the purpose we want to use it for. Uh, yeah. And that is an ongoing challenge. Uh, Timothy Fogel was also in the podcast. He also said one of the professor or one of the guests. Yeah, he also said it's a it's a weird term to use. Clean soil is uh, what does it mean? Clean for for whom also? What you, what you said, fit for purpose. Maybe it's not suitable for what we'd like to do, but it's a natural contamination with mm. some heavier metals in the in the soil and the organisms have all adapted, but maybe we can grow in it and then it's technically healthy, but not for us. Very interesting. Well, thank you for, uh, for talking to me. A nice meeting you, Augustine. Yeah, it was nice meeting you too, Christian. And thank you very much, Christian, for joining us this yes. time. And for touching upon the many different aspects and challenges of sustainable land management from the perspective of a policymaker, be it the struggle of finding the best approach to dealing with land erosion and contamination or the challenge of combining economic land use with ecological land preservation. Very interesting conversation. Thank you very much, Christian Anderson. <laughs> Oh,
Thank you for listening to Sustainable Land Matters. Sustainable Land Matters is hosted by Nan Su and Elzalia Visser. If you like this episode, subscribe to, rate, and review Sustainable Land Matters on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Should you have questions yourself, visit our subreddit Sustainable Land Matter and join the discussion. For updates, follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram. This episode was made possible thanks to the generous support of DSPP Consultants. DSPP Consultants, connecting sustainable growth. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, email us at info at eogreencities.org. See you next time.